Lamb of God, take away the sins of the world. We worship you, our sanctifier, our intercessor, the Lamb of God, Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. Reverence to you, reverence. Oh, reverence. Reverence, we reverence you. We reverence you. Oh, Yeshua Adonai, Jesus the Lord, we reverence you, we bless you, blessed, blessed be your name, blessed be your name, thank you Jesus, Lord we thank you, we give you glory. Jesus, we approach your table tonight with all meekness and all brokenness, all reverence, Jesus, the Lord and Spirit, we worship you, we come again with the vessels of our hearts to put to fetch and to drink feast at your table of life. Lord Jesus, we come with trembling and brokenness of heart, we ask 
Lord, but your very person, Lord Jesus, will minister to our souls and feed us and bless us. Thank you, Lord. We honor you and we give you glory. Tonight, Lord, I commit every heart, every soul, every person tonight who is at this table with you. I pray that there will be a release of your, your mercy, release of your grace and your strength. The, I pray for the anointing carrying the word, Lord, into every heart. I pray that you will cause your spirit to move upon the world. Let your spirit use it. Create materials. Create blessing. Create spiritual materials within our hearts. Thank you, our Father. I yield my vessel unto you, my Lord, to use it as you will tonight to me to speak your words. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone just quickly say you're welcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6. If you are there, say amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's see chapter 5. Chapter 5. Praise God. And verse 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the, the children of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is the, we call it the Beatitudes, um, the uh, blessings of Jesus. So this was the beginning of Jesus' teaching. Right? It lasted a few chapters where Jesus was teaching uh, concerning the, Jesus was actually teaching concerning the kingdom. He was teaching the secret nature of the kingdom's righteousness. Praise God. In, in these chapters, Jesus began to unveil the secrets of the aspects which the Jews did not know concerning righteousness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you know, one of the main reasons for the law was, to conf- was a way of, of conferring blessing, of keeping blessing with Israel, right? It was one of the way of making sure that the blessing stays with the nation <coughs> of Israel. Amen. And so God tried to do it personally with them to make them blessed personally, but they couldn't receive blessing um, in their person. That was when God called them to Mount of Sinai. And then God had to institute a priesthood for them that can carry a type of the blessing. Right? And he instituted not just the priesthood. There was the Lord brought more than the priesthood on the Mount of Sinai. From, this, from Sinai, the experience of Sinai, um, Sinai was the mountain where the glory or the presence came down upon the mountain. It was an elevation, right, where the Lord found, he created a holy place around the mountain and he descended in that place. And, but after the mountain experience of Moses, when he then gave instructions to Moses about the building of the tabernacle that they were using for the people, right? The priest was using, praise God, for the people. But Moses had what they call also the, the tabernacle of, of meeting, praise God, where he also was able to go in, amen, and was meeting with the Lord, right? And when he went there, Moses was interacting with the glory, such that when he goes into that, that, tabern- that place and comes out, right, the glory of the Lord stays upon him. So that place was also, it carried the same um, atmosphere or the same presence which the mountaintop experience had. Praise the Lord. And so from there, the Lord gave to Moses many things. He gave him more than just the ordinances for the priesthood. He also gave to Moses the order 
of the order of life. Praise God. The order of what? Of life, which Israel ought to live outside of the priesthood. In other words, apart from instructions given to Levi, right? And in the house of Aaron for the priesthood. And in the high priestly instruction, Aaron himself, the Lord also gave instructions concerning the tribes of Israel in terms of um, civil conduct, how they ought to conduct themselves, right? So, and the purpose of that was to keep them in a, in a certain formation, in a certain way that they, do, that they maintain their blessedness as a people, as a nation. And that blessedness of Israel became very, very evident when they came across the king, Balak, who wanted to cost them at all costs, by all means. He wanted to cost them. And he brought a priest of the Most High God to cost them. And the priest, when he stands to curse them, because to cost them, he had to see them to cause them. Because that curse is not just saying, I cause you. It won't work by like that. For him to cause, because he was a priest, praise God. A priest is a, a person who, is, who has been built and framed to connect spirit, the spiritual dimension that can make the spiritual dimension answer or respond to them. That is a priest. Praise God. So, so, that, so he was a priest who normally he should be able to tamper with the people's spiritual trajectory by his mouth, right? But when he went to the mountain and, and viewed them, the purpose of viewing the people is to be able to make that connection. You know, there's a connection that he, he makes. It's a spiritual thing. You know, that was, he must have been highly anointed, right? Balaam must have been highly anointed to be able to look at the people and curse them. And that curse will follow them. So for the king to look, to search him out, it means that he must have been doing things for a while. Who knows, maybe he has cursed a lot of people. And the, the evidence of the curse has been, he has been proven. Praise the Lord. Who had the, the, he had the word of the Almighty. And he sees vision even with his eyes open. So, it's talking about the, how the seamlessness of his transaction with the realm of the spirit. That while he's just looking, he can also be, his soul can be transacting with the realm of the spirit. And, and things can happen. So when he came to, to see, to look at Israel, perhaps that was his, maybe that was his own spiritual method of connecting the spirit with his physical eyes. That's why they say that he will see, if he sees vision with his eyes open, so I'm sure when he looked at Israel from the mountain, it was to connect perhaps a vision. And visions are powerful. Vision, vision gives you access. Praise God. If you, any, any spiritual thing you are able to see, then you are in a position where something can be done about it. I don't mean like just sleeping and seeing, seeing something. I mean... I mean, vision in terms of something opening up to you, right? Because you see with your soul, right? And soul is powerful. For example, you, someone cannot see the kingdom 
and not have an opportunity for entrance. Yes, sir. Right, there will be an, an opportunity for entrance. Once you, that's why sight is very key. I mean sight for the soul. You know, it's one thing for the physical eyes to see, another thing for the soul to see. Anything that is soul can see, it can inherit or it can possess. Praise God. Because sight of the soul occurs through a mechanism. It occurs through a process whereby they have to, they have to somehow open channels within you to, be, to flow with that dimension where your sight is, is what, what you are seeing. That's why revelation is very powerful, right? Because once revelation comes to you, revelation comes first as a sight. And then if you handle that revelation, anything you can see by revelation, you can also have by, with your soul. Praise the Lord. So he tried to curse them and he couldn't curse them. And he did everything. And when he opened his mouth to curse them, he started blessing them. Right? Because of how they were. And, and so, this, the, you know, the picture that he saw from where he was standing was actually an arrangement of a nation that God had given to Moses. Because he had told Moses, this is how the people must stay. This tribe must stay here. This tribe must stay here. The other tribe, he arranged them around, right? And that is, an, is a prophetic arrangement of God for them to carry the blessing. Do you see that? Amen. So, that was, so, the, the, so Israelites, the priesthood in Israel was actually to carry blessing. In fact, the, the children of Israel were supposed to be blessed. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, that the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, in this way shall, he says, say unto Aaron and to his sons, right, that in this way will you bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance over you, and then finally do what? Give you peace. So when it comes to blessing, amen, um, blessing, the, the first sign, the main marker of blessing is peace, right? It's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the high, it's not, I don't want to call it the main marker, but it's a very, very important marker of a blessed soul, of a blessed person, is peace. Praise God. Peace is a, is a high graduation point of being, of being blessed, Right? Because in that Numbers, let's see it quickly, that Numbers chapter 6, we'll come back here to this Matthew chapter 5. You see, after they have been given peace, you see that there's, then that's when the, the name can be put upon them. Right? Now, if you, you can really say the name is really the real blessing. Right? Because the name has to do with the person. Right, when they give you the name, right, and that name, he called it my own name. Let's read it in Numbers chapter 6, verse, from verse 23 or 22. If you're there, say amen. He says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, on this wise shall ye bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. 
And the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and then I will bless them. Do you see that? So there is the blessing which the priest blesses or you can call it the high priest blesses, right? He said, tell, tell Aaron, which is the high priest, and then his sons. So that, that would include two kinds of blessing, right? Because we know that the sons of Aaron were the priests, and then Aaron was a high priest. So, so the blessing, this is how they bless Israel. They must receive priestly blessing. Amen. Now, when it comes to blessing, priesthood is the beginning of blessing. There is nothing like Levitical blessing. You won't see that in the Bible. Right? It's not, even though the Levites, they have a level of inheritance. They've actually had what you call separation. Right? They've been separated from the rest of the tribes. But where blessedness really, really starts, blessing is priestly. It happens, blessing is attached to a measure of sanctification. Any soul that has not attained any measure of sanctification hasn't attained blessing yet. Praise God. So when he says in this wise, that word in this wise, that's the word they use here. Wise, in this wise means this is the wisdom of blessing. So he's not just telling them, go and say things to Israel. No, it's actually a teaching, an instruction from the Lord. Praise God. And all of these, these places where you see, and the Lord spake unto Moses and said, Many of these things were actually sayings out of the glory that descended, right? So there were sayings that the Lord was giving to Moses for the priesthood and also for the people. I, I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So in this wise, I mean, so the wisdom of blessing is these, these things, everything the Lord did with Israel are actually patterns, right? They are patterns which are not even for Israel. They are for any people who should answer the name Israel, right? But, and we know the real Israel is in the spirit. Yes. Praise the Like we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So when you read this place, they're actually speaking of how will you be blessed. It's the wisdom of being blessed. That's what they are speaking about here. So this wisdom is, you must come into priestly blessing then you must come into high priestly blessing. Then you must come into the blessing of God. That's the ultimate blessing. Do you see that? So there is the priestly blessing here. There is a high priestly blessing. Praise God. Then there is what? Finally, the blessing. The blessing of God is the giving of his name. He calls it my name. Praise God. So there are three We've identified the blessers here. He said, say to Aaron and his son, so shall you bless. So Aaron blesses, the son blesses. Then finally, then verse 27, and I will bless them. Is the final blessing, which is the blessing of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Does that make sense? So now you see this blessing. You see the, the, the blessing that the priesthood will give which is when I say priesthood, I'm now adding priesthood and then the high priesthood. It ends with the blessing of peace. Praise God. It ends with what? The, 
it ends with the blessing of peace. So the blessing of peace has to do with what is the combination. Okay, the blessing of life first and then the blessing of what? Of peace. Now, the blessing of life here is, to, is the graciousness in verse 25. Right? It's the what? The graciousness in verse 25. That's the blessing of life. And that's a priestly blessing. Praise God. And then, of course, we, we know very clearly that everything committed to Levi is life and peace. Now, Levi wasn't committed anything more than life and peace in terms of what Levi can, be, can give to Israel. It wasn't, because that was the covenant. We saw that in the book of Malachi, right? Chapter 2, right? That my covenant shall be with Levi, right? The covenant of life and peace, which I have given to him for the fear, which he feared my name. Praise God. Now, but of course, we know now know there are higher blessings, higher than both just life and death and the peace, which is the blessing which of what? Of the name of God himself. Amen. And to access this blessing, it's, it's a, it takes a priesthood, really, higher than the priesthood of the law to put the name of God upon Israel. That one could not really be achieved by the law because it wasn't committed unto them. You see, a higher priest, the higher priest who could do something like that is someone like Melchizedek, right? Was a higher priest who met Abraham after the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, right? Now, the blessing that Abraham received from Melchizedek was, higher, was not just a blessing of life and peace. He had a higher blessing because of his higher stature. Praise God. And we can see that from the book of Hebrews, where he spoke about Melchizedek, right? He says, first being by interpretation, the king of righteousness. So, and righteousness is life. Do you agree? Righteousness is what? It's life. Then king of peace is righteousness. So he has that, that, that allotment of righteousness. And then the allotment of peace. Then, but that's not the end of it. Of it. Let's see that. He's also, he's not just a priest of righteousness and a priest of peace. That's the difference between the order of Melchizedek and the order of, of Levi. Let's see the book of Hebrews chapter. Hebrews chapter 7. <clears throat> Praise God. Verse 1, it says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, right, the priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Okay, now this king of Salem, okay, is inside the king of Salem, there is a summary of, of, of Salem means peace, but whenever you hear peace, there's righteousness. We've seen that. We've already journeyed to that place that there's nothing like peace before without righteousness. So for him to be a king of Salem, he's first a king of righteousness. Then he's a king of peace. Then comma. Then he's a priest of who? Of the most high God who met Abraham 
returning from the slaughter of the kings and did what? And blessed him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Then verse 2 says, For to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, it makes it clear there, and after that also king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Do you see that? Then he goes on, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, and then abided a priest continually. So, so this verse 3 is what was missing from the covenant which was given to Levi. Levi's covenant ended in verse 2 here. If you are comparing Levi and Melchizedek. Praise the Lord. So there is something about um, this, um, the priesthood of Melchizedek, of course, with Jesus came. Jesus is a priest after the order of, of Melchizedek. So, so in the New Testament, that's where the, the New Testament is actually the, the, tes, the testament of the fulfillment of blessing. Do you see that? The New Testament is what? The testament of what? Of the fulfillment of blessing. What the blessing which the Old Testament couldn't give, the New Testament came. You know, Jesus Christ himself said it. He said, I came to fulfill the law. Right? I came to do what? I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to destroy it. I didn't come to condemn it. But I came to fulfill. Ask me what it was the law supposed to fulfill. It was supposed to be a, an instrument of blessing to, to the children of God. Praise the Lord. But then you see when Jesus' conversation, there's no time to go through all the different scriptures, but you, you, you discover there was something, there was something common in Jesus' tone when he was speaking to the Jews. He always sounded like, no, he, he sounded that he, his tone had respect for the law, but added on top of that, he came with an expectation of an increase to do better than the law. He saw that in many occasions, for example, when they came and said, Moses gave us this law, that if our wife, you know, commits adultery, you can put them aside. He said, I know Moses said that, but the reason is because of the hardness of your heart and all that. <laughs> but really, God hates divorce. So he was actually able to bring a definition of, of God's standard, which is to increase with the law. Praise the Lord. So Jesus also spoke of weightier matters. That you guys who can give a tithe of cumin and all of that. And he said that those tithes you give, said, this you should do, which is you should fulfill the law, but there are other weightier matters of it, which you neglect. So the, the law, and when you neglect matters of law, you neglect the blessing that follows. Praise the Lord. Do you see that? So you, so you understand now why, where Jesus was speaking from in the book of Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew chapter, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. Praise God. The Lord really wants to bless us. Yeah. Praise God. He wants to bless us. And the way he wants to bless us, <laughs> praise the Lord. He wants to bless us um, by, 
of course, giving us the eyes to see everything that, is, that has been ignored by us concerning the, the, the testament, right? which is the New Testament. Are you, correct? Are, are, are you getting it? Everything that has been ignored concerning the New Testament that is hindering us from coming into inheriting the blessing which the testimony is supposed to give. The Lord is bringing mercy to open all those things up. Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, this, back to Matthew 5. So you see here that the Lord, after the multitude had departed, then he then opened his mouth. What opening his mouth means he began to say things that he wasn't saying before. It doesn't mean he opened his mouth wide. He just, <laughs> praise God. Well, that word open his mouth is like, because if you check towards the end of the previous chapter, it was miracle galore. And then after he came to the mountain, then he opened his mouth. It means that the hidden, the things that are secret, that, that word tells you that the, the, everything Jesus taught from chapter 5 all the way down to even chapter 7, right? That these things were, are the things that you will not hear without the mouth of Jesus being opened. Right, it will take the opening of the mouth of Jesus for those things to be. Means that would open his mouth. Means that he he now he opened the dimension of speaking. That was not the general place and a general dimension to speak. Now, but let me tell you guys something. It's not everybody who who now comes to read chapter five and chapter six, chapter seven. To that, to them, the mouth of Jesus is open. It's just that they wrote it here, right? It's archived here, what he said. That's why we can read it. Do you get that? But the, the disciples who he was speaking, he was speaking this for impartation. When Jesus' mouth opens, it's not, it's not story that comes out. It's spirit. You understand that? It is, Jesus, was a, Jesus was a writer of men. His tongue was, was a writer. You know, he was like a David. So my, 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 my tongue is as the pen of a ready writer. And that's the nature of his, of his speaking. He was actually sent to the earth to write upon men. To write upon men, to write by spirit. Of course, you know, the nature of the testament said that it's written not with ink, but by the word, by the spirit of the, of the living God. Praise God. So it's not in every place that Jesus' mouth is open. Right? But whenever his mouth opens, it's a season of blessing. It's a time of blessing. It's a time to release. Imagine what, was that, what began to come out. Blessing, blessing, blessed, 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 blessed. I feel like maybe he has, that blessing has been, has, been, has been, he has done miracles all day. And he was tired of doing miracles. Right, because he was surrounded by guys who were not interested in blessing. We ah! said, so "Let me just let me do their miracles and let them go." And as soon as the disciples came to him, he began to teach about blessed. It means that those miracles were not really blessings. What he did wasn't blessing. It was this was the blessing. He began to describe the nature of a blessed man, the nature of a blessed soul, of a blessed person. May the mouth of Jesus reveal true blessedness. 
to your heart. May his, his tongue paint the image, paint the picture of the real blessing of a blessed soul, of a blessed man, of a blessed woman in the name of Jesus. And he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. So you see all these things he said here, right? Then he came to verse nine where he now said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, you see, all these people who Jesus was mentioning here, he wasn't talking about different kinds of blessed people. That those who are poor in spirit, they are not one kind of blessed people. So their own portion is kingdom. Then those who mourn, those ones are a different kind. So those ones won't get kingdom. Those ones will get what? They will just be comforted. So there's way you can look at this and you can see, well, these are just different attributes. Which one do you like? <laughs> go, on in every, go on, choose the one you like so you can get that type of what? Of blessing. But that's not what he was saying. Jesus was just talking about the same thing. He's just using different words to describe the same thing. What is he describing? A blessed person. A blessed soul. So, you mean all these things are the same nature, the same spirit of the same properties, the same kind of things that, it, that expresses through this different attitude. Praise the Lord. Of, so, so, amen. So, Jesus Christ is dis- describing the blessed nature that anybody who, does not have, who doesn't have these properties doesn't have what? Doesn't have this blessing. So it means here that theirs, see theirs. Yes. So theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is not saying, talking about those who have entered into the kingdom. This is talking about people who have taken the kingdom as their possession yes, because it has become their own. It's not every person who has gained entrance into the kingdom. According to John chapter 3, right, he showed those who have seen it then he showed those who have entered into it. Praise God. Then later on in John, was it John chapter 17 or so? Not 17, sorry. Um, not, not John, amen. Where did he begin to speak about greatness in the kingdom? Praise God. That was Matthew still. I think 18 or so, right? 18 of Matthew. He began to speak about greatness. They asked him a question, he began to speak. So you saw seeing the kingdom, then you see there's a level of entry into the kingdom. The Matthew 18 spoke about being great in the kingdom. Praise God. He spoke about being great and then being the greatest in the kingdom. So, so being great is a level where you are in, have a measure of, great, of greatness. And there's the greatest of the kingdom. Amen. Now, but here he's now showing you another spot, another, another dimension of the kingdom. It's a, a landmark in the kingdom. That is called ownership. Now, this ownership landmark does not necessarily mean you are the greatest in the kingdom yet. But you have gotten to a place of an inheritance or where you've had a kingdom as a possession. It's such a person. That, that, that's, that point is the point that Jesus is describing here. Are you, in these properties here, they are properties of a soul. 
that has arrived at a particular phase of their journey, of their development. And when you use the eyes of the epistles, you can now be, you can begin to see what, what place this is. Right? That, now, this blessedness here, this is not the, the full blessedness. But this is the first, the first main marker of being blessed. And it's important for men to know and to strive for this particular marker and this particular place of being blessed. Praise God. So it's a, a, a point of possession of the kingdom. It's a, a point of comfort. Now, the book of Isaiah explained a bit more about the comfort that this comfort is, comes to those that mourn were in Zion. So through the eyes of Isaiah, you can see at what position, where is the realm of comfort, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's talking about uh, the, the place of comfort is, is, a season of, is a season of the reward of the waiting of Zion, right? The reward of the, I'm not talking of the ultimate reward, which is God now. Right, I'm talking about the reward of you know the reward of waiting in Zion is everlasting life. Praise the Lord. But that is not the, the reward of God. That is, but that's the reward to them that mourn. That you see, those who mourn, He will now begin to bring them beauty for ashes, the garment of praise, and then spirit of what. Oil of gladness for the what? The spirit of what? Of heaviness. Praise the Lord. Now, you see all those, those things are things that come to men that have arrived at that position. Right? So, mourners. So, it means those that are, have come to a place of mourning. Now, you can tie that into the ownership. No man can mourn over a thing that he doesn't have ownership over. Right? You can't, what, when someone is really mourning over a thing is because it's something, you are saying there's something really personal about it. It's, you have a vested interest. Praise God. You have what? A what? So, so someone who is mourning. For example, the Bible says, mourn with them that mourn. Rejoice with them that rejoice. The Bible can, will not, did not say, you cannot say mourn for them that mourn. You can only mourn with them. They, they, they are the one who own the mourning. It's their own loss. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? You can't just go to the, maybe the burial of a random stranger and then start rolling, oh, we have lost him. We, he left us. We are mourning for him. It's not you. You didn't lose him because you didn't have him. You know what I mean? But, but there's someone who owns that mourning, who, who owns that thing. Are you getting me? So there's an element of possession in mourning. So them that mourn in Zion are actually the owners of Zion. They are those who have, by virtue of their journey, have marked an ownership position in Zion. So, and those who mourn, when the Lord is 
bring comfort, comfort to them that mourn. It is not everybody. There are some fake mourners there. The Lord knows those who have Zion as their possession. And those are the ones who the comfort of Zion will come. When they are bringing comfort, some guys will want to claim that comfort, but they say, I know you are not a mourner. You don't, you don't know the weight of Zion. You don't know what it means. The, the travail, right, of soul that it takes to take Zion as your cause. And that's what they are talking about. That you are, you've taken the cause of Zion, the project of Zion as your own. It's a burden upon you that you have labored for and you've mourned for it. So a soul who is living the way they like, doing what pleases them, praise God, they dictate their own response to God. And they pick and choose what, what battles they fight. They can withdraw from a battle when they don't like it. Praise the Lord. And they can accept when it's palatable to them or when they are in the mood, when they are feeling like it. Such souls are not, they, they are not worthy of Zion. Praise the Lord. They are not what? They are not worthy of, of Zion. Praise the Lord. So, so you can see the same thing. Then verse 5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And it's not all the same thing. They are, this is talking about blessing that comes to owners. Now, do you know that the purpose of, the purpose of Zion or the purpose of the, you know, Zion is a type of the sanctuary in Israel, right? The reason, the purpose of that sanctuary was for to inherit the earth. The purpose of that sanctuary was for to what? Is to inherit, is to inherit the earth. So, the sanctuary is like a type of the earth. It's like a type of the earth. It's like a type of land. They shared land to all the people. But they told one tribe, you don't have a land. This one is your own land. So that, if that thing they give them in, in place of the land is like a land itself. Do you agree with that? It's an inheritance. Praise the Lord. So those people, uh, he called them the meek. Let's, let's try and be quicker. He says, then blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they do what? They, they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for then they shall do what? Obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall do what? See God. I think the pure in heart is that same position for his soul to become pure in heart. He has journeyed to a place. So purity of heart is an inheritance. Right? A purity of heart is not something someone just decides. Okay, from today I will be pure. How? I'm not going to stop thinking bad, impure thoughts. So today I will be pure. <laughs> when, you, when you try, that's when you now realize that, look, this thing, this, where the thoughts are coming from, the velocity at which they approach, the angle of, of arrival and all of that, 
Praise God. You have no control over them. There's something to, to resist a thought. It's stature that resists thought. You must have the, the stature, the weight to, to make thought bounce. It's not every, every heart that thoughts can bounce off. There are, when the stature is not there, the thought will magnet the, the soul, the mind will, will magnet like a glue. Because you don't have what it takes for thoughts to, to fall off of you. Praise the Lord. So, so is a stature, is a high person that these people, they call what pure in heart. And it says, blessed are the peacemakers. So these peacemakers, he's talking about a soul that is at this position. So you can substitute, you can see blessed are the peacemakers for they shall see God. It also works. So you can say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be filled. You can say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. You can say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be comforted. And you can say, blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. Now, verse 9, he uses the word children of God. Do you see that? Children of God. Say children of God. So the peacemakers are children. The word children here is not used in the sense of small, little, little children. No. The word children here is the same sense that I think, I think that was the language that Paul used in, in Romans chapter 8. Right? When he was speaking about being his, the, the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. That word children of God is not talking about babies. He's talking about, the word, the word children is talking about heirs yeah. of God. Yeah. Because in that same chapter, he spoke about heirs of God and we heirs, joint heirs with Christ, right? Or he called them heirs according to the promise. So, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So these children of God are people who are candidates to inherit God. So what you are saying here, the blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the what? The children of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? So it means that a peacemaker is poor in spirit. Right? And a peacemaker is a mourner. And a peacemaker is meek. And a peacemaker hungers and thirsts after righteousness. And a peacemaker is merciful. A peacemaker is pure in heart. These are the natures, right, of a person who is a what? A peacemaker. Who is making peace with God. Or who has made peace. Who is a maker of peace with God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus Christ said, come unto me, all ye that are weary. All of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you, I'll give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and I'm lowly at heart. So he, he connected having rest, right, for your souls to the, that is the, having rest for your soul is the, is the reward. And I said, I will give you rest, right? When you come to me, I will give you that. He said that you will have rest for your souls. Praise God. Now, when you come to me and I will give you rest, then he said, come to me and learn. Come and learn of me. For I am what? Me. So it means that the learning of meekness and lowliness is the method of the giving of rest to a soul. Do you see that? The learning of meekness and lowliness is the what? The way of giving of rest. Now, rest is not peace. Rest is what you get because of peace. Yes. So when God is trying to give rest to his soul, he looks for his soul according to what we saw on Saturday, that there's a work called peace first that must exist, right? That was Isaiah chapter 32, praise God. He says that the work of righteousness shall be peace, right? And then the effect of righteousness, what? Yes, and what? And assurance. And that place he said that my, my children will will I leave. Let's see that place very quickly. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 30. 32. Amen. Are we blessed today? Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 32, verse 17. It says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And then the effect of righteousness um, quietness and what? Assurance forever. So the effect is quietness and then assurance for what? Forever. Now this quietness and assurance forever is what you call rest. Now, I'll tell you the difference between peace and rest. Something that is at peace can still be disturbed from its peace its peace can be taken back. Yes. Peace can be taken back. The world is designed to remove peace. The world is designed, is designed to what? To remove, to remove peace. But something that is at rest, when something is at rest, that's the property of rest, is that rest, I'm not, I'm not talking about English definition of rest now, because if we go into English or physics, uh, you, you just disprove me now. You just quote Newton's law. You know what I mean? That the body will continue at this rest or relative motion unless acted upon by. So you say, no, once a force comes, it comes. So I'm not doing physics here, praise God. This is scripture. Like when God rested. Did they say he came back later after he, he rested? 
They just said he rested and scripture continued, right? They didn't say anything. That is rest for you. If they say he now came back after he rested. So, you know, the way we think about rest, like that rest is like, ah, he walked through, your energy had gone. So, in order to continue the work, you have to now go and rest to refresh yourself, to get more energy. That's, that wasn't God's kind of rest. It wasn't like God was tired from walking the, and, and everything. Praise God. That word rested just means that God went back to where he came from. That's all they're just saying. Praise the Lord. So after he finished the work, then God did what? Rested. It also means that, it also means, amen. It also, that also means the, it also speaks about the, the destination of the work. After he finished his work, he's just telling you that after a work has been done, what is the next thing? That's the order. So the weight, the, the measure of a work is, you check it, can it produce rest? If the work that has been done doesn't, cannot produce rest, then it weighs low in the realm of the spirit. That they will say, what you've just done is not a work because it didn't end in rest. That you say, labor to enter, seeing that a rest remained for you. Like Paul was saying in the book of Romans chapter 4, Praise God that let us therefore labor to enter. That labor is the work. Well, what is the labor? The labor for rest is peace. Peace is the work for rest. So like God finished his own work and entered into rest was a type. And, and that thing is a message, is a, a pattern, is a teaching. When he was talking to Moses about Israel, he added that, that, that sermon that he acted out in Genesis. He added it to the law. And then in the New Testament, Paul wrote, brought it back to the New Testament and then began to teach the rest. Jesus himself taught about rest. Praise the Lord. Do you see that? So rest is actually, rest is a, rest is like a, is a standard. That's the best word I can use. Rest is a standard, is that that's how God checks, measures things. Anything that doesn't have the capacity to rest, God knows this is a bad thing. This thing is not good because it doesn't have the stature that you can bring, bring in. If you dare try to bring that anything that doesn't have that stature of, or the work of peace in it into a rest, it will wake up in that resting place and begin to do things. And the activity... <laughs> Activity, praise God, inside a place of rest is very dangerous. They must really like, like that's why they remove Satan, right? Because of the multitude of your traffic, like the book of Ezekiel was saying, right? When everybody was at rest, Gabriel was at rest, Michael was at rest, all the living creatures, they were all at rest in that realm. All of a sudden, they started hearing noise. Somebody was. Praise God. And, and, and you say, okay, what was he doing? What noise was he making? Oh, you know what the dad said that? He was just saying, I will exalt my, I will. Are you getting what I'm saying? And you see what it counts as noise in that realm of rest. 
those kind of thoughts. Those are the kind of thoughts that they count as disturbance. And you see those kind of thoughts, heaven sees them. They disturb heaven. It's a disturbance to heaven. When, when angels are coming, they cite a heart that has such a conversation. They, they just go, they pass, praise God. <laughs> they avoid such conversation. Praise the Lord. So you see that idea of, like, I, I will. I will exalt my stars above the stars of God. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord will bring a great deliverance. Amen. Praise God. So you see that Isaiah chapter 32, verse 18, it says, that My people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, right? And in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. So, this is what you call rest. Rest. Praise God. Sure dwelling. Quiet resting places. In verse 17, it says, The effect of righteousness shall be what? Quietness and assurance forever. So this work of righteousness, <coughs> praise God, is being poor in spirit. Back to Matthew 5. Then having an attitude of mourning and then meekness. right, And then hunger and thirst for righteousness. So all of these things are actually, they are they actually characterized in what Jesus said when he said you should come unto me those who are weary and are what and are heavy laden that word heavy laden they are laden with things they are carrying burdens but those burdens are not they are not the burdens of instruction they are they are burdens that disturb, right? The burden of, he, of Christ, that's what he calls, my burden is, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's a burden, but it's a burden of instruction. Why? Why, does it, why is it light? It's because of the, it's because of the energy that that burden is supposed to land upon. Is a gracious energy, mm-hmm. right? It's a the way God put burden on men is through teaching. Yeah. Any burden you are carrying that did not come from something that God taught you, yeah. it's not a burden that you should carry. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you feel burdensome about something, 
ask yourself, did, is this thing a revelation? Did it come by revelation? Is this thing a teaching of the Lord? Right? Is it a teaching of the Lord? And one thing you will find with the burden of instructions of the Lord is that those burdens, they meet with a grace. There's a grace to carry them. In fact, those burdens, they actually carry themselves because as it's coming, it's coming with its own grace to carry it. So in your heart, what is actually carrying it is grace in your heart that is carrying the burden of the instruction to do it, to bring it to pass. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? So he said, come and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly. I am meek and lowly. Say meek and lowly. I am meek and lowly. So, because those are the, the characters of a, of a blessed soul, right? From this place that you're seeing. Now, the purpose of being meek and lowly, meek and lowly, what makes a the necessity for meekness and lowliness is so that you can receive the yoke of the Lord and the burden of the Lord. It's for the yoke of the Lord and for the what? The burden of the Lord. It takes meekness and lowliness. Meekness and lowliness to take what? The yoke of the Lord. Now, if the soul is not meek, it can't be yoked. If the soul is high, the body will fall off. Is it actually a physical law, right? The higher something is from the ground, the more unstable it is, right? So if, if something should carry a burden, the lower it is, the lower the center of gravity, the more stable it is. That's why See, those, those lowly, what's the meaning of lowly? He's talking about something. He's talking about not being high. Like Paul calls it high, being high-minded. Praise the Lord. Being what? High-minded. Now, somebody who is high-minded can never be at peace. Right? You can never be at peace. If you are high, the way something that is high is unstable. Yes. Right? See, when you see a tall vehicle, it's more unstable than a vehicle that is low. Those are natural things that describe the things of the spirit to us. Praise God. Amen. So that thing that Jesus Christ said is... So he says, come and then learn of me. So teaching. Say teaching. teaching. So the teaching of Jesus, the teaching of the Lord, praise God, which is to ultimately yield in rest and in peace. The purpose of the teaching of the Lord is to make a soul embody the attitude, the embody the nature for rest or the nature for peace. Peace mainly. Peace is the work. Peace is actually the work of the teaching of Christ. The Bible says he came and preached peace to them that were afar off. 
when Jesus Christ himself came in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, right, when he came into the temple and took the, 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 the what? The, the book and read, that the scripture of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach. Who, who did he anoint him to preach? Let's quickly see that as we close today. <clears throat> Luke chapter 4, sorry. Amen. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You see the poor here? These are candidates for blessing, right? For he has sent me to heal the who? The, the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. To recover the recovering of sight to the blind. And then to set at liberty them that are what? Bruised. And then ultimately to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So the acceptable year of the Lord is actually the year of peace. Right? It's actually the year of peace. Peace means who, the, of acceptance. Praise God. According to Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, praise God. He said that the, who, the, who the Lord loves, it loves, it chastises. Right? And he receives every son whom he, what? Who is called you. So that word receiving is accepting. Is acceptance. And no chastisement is, is joyous in the present, but what? It's grievous. But afterward, it, it yielded for the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So you see that peaceable fruit means the fruit that can make peace. So that peaceable fruit of righteousness, it means that when the father is chastising, it's for to receive, right? And his chastisement is chastising, 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 chastising. He's watching for something. He's watching for the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So the peaceable fruit of righteousness is the measure of the father uses to know when it's time to receive. Right? He scourges every son whom he received. So that receive means the, 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 the measure of acceptance is by measure of how much peaceable fruit of righteousness, right? That's what the, so peace, the fruit of peace, which is a product of righteousness, when it has brought forth fruit of peace, then the Lord knows, okay, ha, now this one is ready to be received. Praise God. So one of the main the, the, main, the main purpose of the gospel which was preached or which is preached by Christ is the preaching of the acceptable year. That was, they use the word year because it's the realm of the Lord. They use the word year in scripture for things that have to do with the Lord. Praise God. But so, but that, so that year means the season of acceptance. That was season of acceptance has to be preached. The word to preach means to it means to is to, is, preaching is almost like painting an image, right? Preaching is more than even just saying something. So you can say something and nobody will take notice. But that's not preaching. 
Preaching means the use of inward instrumentation, right? To cause souls to come into awareness and understanding of something that normally they would not pay attention to. That's the power of preaching. Preaching, it can call attention. It can make you come, okay, come and see this thing. Come and realize an important treasure that is hidden. Praise the Lord. So the, the purpose of the preaching of, of Christ, amen, is, to, is the unveiling of the acceptable here. It means what things characterize a soul that will make a soul acceptable to the Lord. Now, wh- why does the Lord want to accept? Why does he receive a son? It's for blessing. It's for the real blessing, which is the blessing of his name, according to Numbers chapter 6, right? Because after you've got into that acceptable year, which he called peace, after he has lifted his countenance over you and given you peace, and then so shall you put my name upon them. So the giving of the name is, the, is the, what you receive from the Father. Right? Do you, do you agree with that? Yes. Which, which son does the father give his name? Is the one who he received. Is the one who he accepts according to their culture. The one who he, he looks at, wow, this one, oh my God, this is the one. So that acceptance is an acceptance for, for the name. Praise the Lord. That's why you see the lamb upon Mount Zion with the father's name. With the 144,000 of his saints. That, that lamb is the nature of a meek and a lowly soul that has arrived at a place where peace has been made. And because of that, he has received the blessing of the name of the Father. Are we blessed today? Yes, Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Sorry, there wasn't enough time, but there's this thing about peace. Um, it means a lot to. It means a lot to. Um, when it comes to, praise God. Um, I think th- we've come to a time where we should be more enlightened. With, um, with the scriptures, right? The way the scripture registers to us, praise God. Um, it's so there's a way when you tell the soul, the father you are, will be you'll be accepted by the father. And so just be like, oh, okay, God will accept me. And then that thing closes there. Right? It doesn't, the meaning of that thing doesn't really, really resound. <laughs> but what makes the purpose of the riches of understanding? It, um, Paul calls it unto the full assurance of understanding. Right? That your heart be knit together in love. Unto what? The acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father of Christ. That would acknowledge. See, acknowledge. Anybody who hears the Father receiving you and just think, ah, oh, your Father will hugging you one day. That your soul haven't come to the acknowledgement. You don't acknowledge the mystery. Right? It's a mystery. Your heart must get to a point where when you hear peace, your heart will be able to open up peace. The meaning of peace. What that means in terms of, and that's the point of the Riches of the world, painting the world 
with the, the subject of peace and all these things. Praise God. So it's for the, the reason of abundance of preaching, it's for the acknowledgement of mysteries. Right? It's to make the soul being able to acknowledge mystery. To acknowledge mystery is to be able to take the import of that knowledge and what that means in terms of the soul, the attributes that the soul is supposed to have. So if you, are, if you are a candidate of peace, if you are a journey, in the journey to peace, and let's say you are thinking about inheriting, you are thinking about coming into things in God that the scripture has said, and you can divorce those things from your conversation, it means that you are not, your heart is not being knit together. Right? There is something, and that's one of the labor of preaching, to be honest with you. One of the great labor of, of preaching is to make, is to, is to be able to use the method of the Holy Spirit and the language of the Holy Spirit because the reason why we have to stick to that language is because that language has the key. Like if I came here now and I didn't use scripture, I started just describing to you, this is how you should behave. When you get a call about this business idea, stop, think, don't just act. Like, you know, that kind of thing. I will tell you all of that. When it comes to, it comes down to it, discover that it's not just about stop thinking. There's a program within that is that thing is, an, is a secret law. Is it something hidden by wicked spirit deep into the subconscious of man? Are you getting me? But there's a way that that information, something can be passed across. It's through scripture. So you see, this language is peaceable fruit of righteousness. What's the meaning of peaceable fruit of righteousness? Why would the Holy Ghost use that kind of word? There's a reason why. It's gone. So, time, but the Lord. So I pray that um, this peace with God will be driven far, far into our depths, far into our consciousness that there will be so much grace for the Lord to make war with everything that fights against coming into this blessed place that Jesus described in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, that so much help, so much strength for this thought to interject our conversation to a point where it can stop us, it can define how we act, how we react, how we do things, how we live, how we walk. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you today. We bless your name. We give you glory. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation of peace with you. I ask, Lord, that every heart tonight that you will cause to receive a spiritual import of this blessing. Lord, thank you, our Father. We give you all the glory. We cause that you will cause blessing and, and being kept to occur. To every soul in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give all the praise to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.